0: Hey, I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. And this is Forward Farming.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Forward Farming. In case you couldn't tell, in case you missed the news, in case you are just out of the loop, Becca is not here with me tonight, Um, and for good reason, she welcomed her third baby uh last week. So Becca is now <laughs> the mom to three dino-loving babies and Jackson is just as cute as can be. He has a lot of hair and he came out with eyebrows and I <laughs> I like almost cry every time I see a picture of him. He's just so cute. So congratulations Becca and Joey and Sophia and Joe. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys. So Becca is on maternity leave, in case you missed that uh, little memo. So you guys are stuck with me uh, until little baby comes, and then after that, I don't know, we'll see. Um, so you guys are going to have to deal with my little awkwardness for, <laughs> for a little while, because it's a lot different recording on your own. I um, because I'm literally just facing a wall right now, and it's a little bit different than (laughs) looking at Becca over Zoom. So if I'm a little awkward, I'm sorry. Like, I'm awkward in general, but if I'm a little more awkward uh, in in the upcoming weeks, my bad. I'm trying my best, but it's just weird talking to myself in a wall. So we're working on it. We are working on it. So today talking about awkward um, <laughs> I'm very excited for today's episode because um, I'm gonna be talking about something that I typically don't talk about a lot just because um, anytime you talk about this subject there are a lot of things that can be taken out of context. there are a lot of things that can be spun in a negative way and I'm trying uh, to do my best to um, Bring on a guest who knows a lot about this topic, so it's not just me uh, that you're getting your information from. It's from a credible source. Um, so I'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm I'm very excited to finally talk about this, and it's just very very fitting for the time of year that we're going through as well. So let's start with some highs and lows of my week. Um, again, this might be a little awkward with just me, so if you guys think it's awkward and want me <laughs> to bring on another person to talk about these, let me know. I won't be offended, um, and if I am offended, I, I won't tell you. So um, let's, <laughs> let's start with some highs because there's a lot to be excited about this week. Becca, obviously, that was definitely a high. Little baby Jackson coming into the world uh, a little bit early, so fun fact That I kept forgetting, but Becca, her due date was July 25th with Jackson, and my due date is August 25th. And to know that Becca went this early, oh golly, that makes me nervous because I'm coming up to 35 weeks, and the more I think about it, (laughs) like (laughs) the more it sinks in that holy shit, you can go at literally any time and and. Oh, like, oh, that's so stressful, <laughs> but also very exciting. So, um, the, there's just a lot, uh, a lot to think about, but for right now, I'm going to focus on, on my happiness for Becca and the Hilby family, because that's just so exciting and, oh, he's so cute. I can't handle it. If you're not, if you haven't seen pictures of him, um, I posted like the cutest picture ugh. I cried when I saw this picture that I posted on the Forward Farming Podcast Instagram page. It, like the way that Sophia is looking at this child is just enough to melt my icy cold Grinch heart. It is just so stinking cute. And then Joe, like, sweet Joe, he's just so excited to be there. <laughs> so stinking cute. So that is definitely one of my highs. Um, <laughs> another one of my highs. Um, Dan and I went on a date last weekend, which was nice. We haven't done too many of those in a while, but we were, we had to go into town and pick up, um, some stuff for our home edition. So we went to go pick up, um, some shower tile that we had ordered from like Menards or something. Then we had to go to Home Depot and pick up another order that we had placed. And since we were in town, we saw that there's a baseball game in town where, um, we had met almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy to think about. So we went back to that ballpark. We caught a baseball game. Um, I had hot dog. I had some dipping Dots and oh, did my soul need those dipping Dots. They were just chef kiss good. I think I had the banana split kind <laughs> and, uh, I needed that so bad. So that was a lot of fun to just hang out with Dan. Um, outside of the marsh because I feel like that doesn't happen too often. So taking all the time that I can get with him, um, which is nice. But anyway, um, shifting over to some lows. Um, The biggest low I think on the marsh um, we're going to be talking about today with our guest. And again, um, I think it's important to talk about because as a farmer, I don't want to feel like I'm trying to hide this subject by any means, um, but insects and pests in general are a big, are are a big issue for a lot of farmers, and I feel like this is something that a lot of uh, non-farming folk come after us for because, for obvious reasons, but... Um, I think it's important to still talk about it and educate people so they're not afraid of how crops are being treated because there is a ton of research uh, and a lot of thought that goes into the treatment of these pests. And it's not just like we're we're throwing things at them and, and hoping it works and having no knowledge about what we're applying. Like it's a very precise... Um, it's a very precise process, I guess, and we have a lot of research behind this, and we have um, an integrated pest management team that comes in who pretty much tells us when we have a problem, what we can apply, when we can apply it, um, so that there's no residue whatsoever um, left over when we harvest, nothing is hurting the water table, nothing is, you know, it's all... It's all safe for everybody, and if it wasn't safe, there, we wouldn't be living out here for the last 100 years like we have been. Like, there's a reason why there's so, many, so much wildlife out here. Like, there's, we're, we're taking very safe precautions, and I think that's something that we kind of need to talk about. So that's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Let me just segue right in. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I, I asked uh, Pam. Pam to come on to the show today. Pam is our our IPM lady, our ladybug. She <laughs> is our integrated pest management specialist. Um, so what that means is Pam um, pretty much scouts for bugs for us and, and lets us know when we have problems. And I'll kind of let her introduce herself, but just know that she has been in the business for quite a while with her mom, um, which both of these lovely ladies have been coming out to our marsh uh, pretty much since they started their business. Um, So we we love we love our ladybugs and I'm really excited to talk to Pam and kind of pick her brain especially on this very sensitive subject. Um, She has a ton of knowledge and if you guys aren't following her already her Instagram handle is cranberry.pam and she shares a ton of great information a lot of behind the scenes stuff that um, stuff that I, that I typically don't talk about. So she's a great, a great follow. If you want to kind of see like the backside of the Cranberry industry, she's got a lot of really cool knowledge there too. So, um, I, I think that's it. Did I cover everything? Oh, goals for the week. Duh. The most important part and mm, the part that I always forget. <laughs> to think about and I can't even I can't even bounce this off of Becca right now I'm gonna have to come up with something on the spot so I'm just gonna sit here and talk until I can find something uh that I want as a goal for the week so um hope you guys are having a great week it is Monday evening (laughs) um and I'm still trying to think of a goal so let's see my goal for the week uh is is I'm, I'm trying to get the house ready <laughs> for when baby comes because um, I don't know if I've talked about this or not. I'm not a very organized person. Like I don't, I don't, this is a huge secret you guys, but uh, I'm not organized at all. I very rarely have my thoughts organized um, when it comes to the podcast. Like pfft, forget about it. We just wing it <laughs> 99% of the time. Um, so my house is very similar. I'm not dirty. I just, I have an organized mess where I know where everything is at, but I'm not like Khloe Kardashian organized (laughs) by any means. And I think that drives Dan crazy. Um, I think if he could change something about me, it would definitely be like how organized and tidy I am or um, how not tidy and organized I am. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm not... I'm not a tidy person, so I'm trying to get things in shape around here. Um, I'm trying to keep my floors a lot cleaner because oh my gosh, if the baby's here tomorrow, that baby needs <laughs> that baby needs clean floors. <laughs> like why would I put a newborn baby on the floor? Just Oh, goodness. So I'm like I'm struggling hardcore with pregnancy brain and <laughs> and trying to keep all of my emotions on the sane side of the spectrum. I'm trying to rein it all in (laughs) because I feel like I could just flip a switch and they would just spew all over the place and I would be a hot mess even more so than I am right now. (laughs) So uh, just trying to keep my home a little bit more organized and tidy so I don't have to worry about that with uh, a baby (laughs) in my ear screaming all the time. Um, So that sounds like a pretty good goal I would say. Um, anyway, so I think I covered all the bases. So let's, let's hop right in with Pam because this is going to be a good conversation and a conversation that I would like to continue. So if like, this is one of those topics that is so rarely talked about. If you guys have questions, feel free to reach out to myself or Pam about them. Like if, if we say something and it doesn't make sense, or if you just have follow-up questions we would love to talk to you guys about it because that's what we're here for is to educate um and and show that farmers aren't <laughs> these big scary people that are just out to hurt everything and anything so with that being said let's hop right into this and here is cranberry pam hi guys so as i mentioned before I am very excited for tonight's special guest. I have known her for, gosh, a long time. Um, I've known her mom for even longer, (laughs) and I'm very excited to be joined tonight by Pam from Ladybug IPM, um, aka Cranberry Pam on Instagram. You may have heard of her. If you haven't, make sure you go check her out. She has a ton of really great information out there. And I really wanted to talk to Pam tonight because I feel like this is a subject Um, I don't know if it's just in the cranberry industry or just kind of all crops in general that we tend to shy away from talking about our pest control. Um, Not that we're trying to hide anything, obviously, but it's always just been a topic that a lot of farmers aren't really interested in talking to the public about because we don't want our words necessarily taken out of context. Um, It's just easier to talk about this kind of stuff farmer to farmer. So I thought Pam would be a great person to bring on tonight um, to kind of help explain the science behind what she does and how she um, makes such a great impact on our industry um, and is just such a great help for us um, and so many other growers in our area. So thank you for hopping on today, Pam. I'm real excited to have you on here.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: So tell, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. I'm going to throw you in the hot seat right away. Um, so give us all the details, where you're from, what you do, Um, what your family is like,
0: all all the good stuff. Okay, so yeah, I grew up in central Wisconsin on a dairy farm, actually. And I got into cranberries mainly because of my mom. So I am like a second generation cranberry consultant. Um, She started back in 1991. Um, It's just like a way to help get through the down of the dairy farm at that time, the dairy or the milk prices weren't very well. So she, she was working full time and decided actually with the encouragement of a grower, she decided to go out on her own and start her own consulting business and the rest is history. Here we are.
1: So growing up um, at the dairy farm, did you ever, did you spend a lot of time like at cranberry marshes?
0: yeah so when i was young no when i think most dairy kit or farm kids in general want to be like a veterinarian Mm -hmm. i think they all go through that phase so growing up i was all into the animals and i love that and then it wasn't until i was in high school i was like old enough mature enough to help my mom with her business and that's when i really started um transitioning from the animals to the plants and um started taking more classes in high school and then did job shadowing. And yeah, I decided this is what I'm going to go to college for. I'm going to go. It took a little while to figure out what it was because I wasn't sure. I'm like, am I agronomy? Am I soil science? Am I horticulture? Like what am I? Am I conservation? And I job shadowed um, a man and he was like, well, cranberries are a horticultural crop. So you need to go to school for horticulture if you want to um, expand and learn more about this crop. So that's what I did. And yeah, went to school for horticulture.
1: So you pretty much knew once you got to high school that you wanted to kind of take over for your mom at that point?
0: Yeah. So that was always, I guess, like the backup plan. When I started, I'm like, I like plants. I went into horticulture. I was really interested in plant breeding, actually. So I did. All my internships, I did two internships with plant breeders, and then I had like three years of like work study with a plant breeder. Uh, And I guess what, and I set myself up, took all the classes to go to grad school, but what ultimately was kind of like defeating was the plants I was interested in were um, perennials, and it takes so long to get like a new variety out. Um, Like cranberries, for example, like the new varieties were Planting now it took like twenty five years to develop, and that was just like exhausting to me to think yeah. like my life work would not be really seen until twenty five years later.
1: That's it, that's that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I can understand that'd be very discouraging. Um, so, kind of kind of explain what exactly a crop consultant is. Like I know I know what you do, but you can probably explain it a little bit better than I can.
0: Yeah, so what we do is we come out to um, different cranberry marshes and we only work with cranberry growers, so we're very specialized. Um, and we'll come out, we'll look for insects, weeds, disease and the plant health. And we just kind of evaluate those areas and there's a report that we fill out, um, details on each bed or field that we visit. And if we see a problem, we're like, hey, you have this problem here are some solutions for you.
1: Yeah. And, and the biggest, I think as a grower, the biggest benefit um, to having you guys out because you come out once a week for us. Um, I'm not sure if that's how you are with all of your growers, if it's a weekly visit or not. Um, But you see things that often go unnoticed from not necessarily an untrained eye, but maybe not as, as skilled of an eye as that you have. So Um, like right now we are dealing with insects galore. It seems like right now is kind of like the boom period for bugs for us. Um, so I mean, we are in a swamp, I mean, like any other crop we're going to have bugs. Right. And because we are in kind of a more wet area, it seems like we have very unique pests that are very unique to treat. Um, so it's very helpful to have you guys come out here and, and recognize the signs. And, um, when we are reaching a threshold where these bugs need to be treated and you guys are really great at letting us know, like, okay, keep an eye out for this throughout the rest of this week. And then maybe next week we'll talk about different treatments or like, if we just treated something, you can come back and be like, yep, you got this, but keep an eye on this that you did treat. It didn't treat at all. So, um, what we think might be considered a job well done, you might come back and be like, "Eh, actually, you need to do this again or try something (laughs) different. And that's when we get like the bad stickers on our reports. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you are, I mean, you're such a huge asset for, for all growers and um, like, it's, it's just crazy how much we rely on, on your team to help us out. So, how how big is your area that you cover like how many different marshes are you going to in a week
0: yeah we go to we go to quite a few so in central wisconsin we'll go out up to like the plainfield area the central sands Uh, they grow a lot of potatoes there but there's also some cranberries and then we'll go um to like warren's and toma and then in central wisconsin cranmore that's a big hub and wisconsin rapids also has quite a few And yeah, so like you touched on with the insects, it's a big, it's like a misconception, misunderstanding. Like when you go to the grocery store, you buy your food, nothing is wrong with it. It's perfect. Um, But if you are a farmer or if you even have your own garden or your own plants in your yard, you're going to see insects that like to feed on those plants. And the cranberry is a native plant. So naturally it has native insects that feed on it. So what we want to do is um, monitor these insects and address them as like efficiently as possible, and that's that's our biggest part, uh, the biggest part of our job is just coming out and seeing how many are out there, how many beneficials are out there, and then seeing if we've reached that economic um, or that action threshold where hey they're eating your crop. Like you're not going to have a crop if we don't take care of these guys. And yeah, like you mentioned, right now we're dealing with this little beetle that just chews up the leaves and all the buds for next year. It takes 16 months to grow a cranberry crop. And right now those little buds for 2022's crop are forming. And if we let them eat it, we're going to be in big trouble next year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like, um it seems like every year the flea beetle is kind of the one insect that just keeps coming back larger and stronger every year. And it's starting to get a little resistant to, um, a little bit resistant to what we're treating them with. So (laughs) we, uh, Pam has been really great about using nematodes. She's been a part of this study. Um, And I got really excited about it too. When, when it kind of was first being brought up in conversation, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I want to do this. Like I want to breed nematodes and apply them (laughs) so they can um, naturally take care of these flea beetle because these nematodes are native to Wisconsin. So they should be able to treat native pests like the flea beetle. Um, But that didn't go too hot for me this year. (laughs) I, I kind of got them started and then they they kind of died right away. But Pam is kind of like the nematode cowboy over here and just wrangling and slinging all these nematodes. So do you want to kind of touch on on that project a little bit?
0: So IPM again stands for integrated pest management. So that just means we want to take an integrated natural approach as much as possible. So um, for different insects in the spring, we'll just use water and that controls them. That keeps them in check. We'll just the water that we have in our reservoirs and um, control them so we don't have to use any chemicals at all and that's what we want to do with these um flea beetles because beetles uh they their life cycle they spend their part of it most of it in the ground so their eggs in the ground and then they hatch and then there's like a little grub in the ground and then they pupate and then they come out as these beetles and that's why it's really difficult to control them because they just keep coming out in waves Um, the female actually lays, she'll lay like, let's say five eggs today, five eggs tomorrow, five eggs a week from now. So they just keep coming. And that's why it's so frustrating to control them. But Mm -hmm. if we use these native nematodes, nematodes, however you want to say it, um, to go into the soil and actually eat these grubs before they can even develop, um, or at least eat enough of them so that the ones that do make it aren't causing this Damages crop economical damage then we're winning then we're ahead mm-hmm. and to your defense I had a little team <laughs> helping me grow my <laughs> I'm lucky I have uh, some biology students that work for me and they were like all about it they're like let's look at them so it worked out for me this year but you'll get there
1: <laughs> so how many are you still harvesting them right now
0: no so that i threw them away (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i should have talked to you like oh you need stuff so um we were trying to predict when they come out of the egg when they hatch and they are in the scrub stage and then we wanted to apply them during that stage and i feel like that point is over it's definitely Mm -hmm. over because now we're starting to see the adults so um i wasn't i don't want to take care of them all winter i'll get a new supply from the researcher that um uh, kind of discovered these in our native soil. But yeah, I, I harvested, I think fifth. I got to look again, but I think it was like 56 million. <laughs> so quite a few. that's That's a lot. <laughs> and I um, gave them to three different growers. So we have three different like test um, plots to see if this is going to work or not.
1: And from your standpoint, it's been working pretty well. I mean, considering how new and fresh this idea is, it's worth continuing?
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, last year we started, I didn't grow nearly as many. Uh, then the researchers developed a new technique and that was much better for this year. But last year we were able to kind of suppress them um, with just a, a minimal amount of um, nematodes that we applied. But this year we applied like literally millions more. So I hope to see a drastic difference this year. Mm-hmm.
1: So these nematodes, they, they not only go after the flea beetle, but kind of everything that's out in the cranberries too. So it's not just this beetle specific. It can kind of
0: yeah. go after anything. So that's a good point. So the two species that the researcher found are carnivorous. first of all. So they only eat other insects. They are not feeding on our roots. Like I know in other crops, there's nematodes that um, will destroy root systems. They don't, mm-hmm. these don't do that. And they are non-selective. like selective. So they'll go and they'll eat anything they can get into. Um, there's these little holes on the side of an insect. And they have to be able to enter through those holes. And as long as they have those holes, then they're in.
1: And then they just kind of eat the inside of the insect and just leave the shell there to rot. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> it's actually, it's kind of unique. They have a bacteria that they carry and that's it. The the bacteria actually kills the insect, and then they just, yeah, they suck it up and then they actually, yeah, they have eggs in there. So one gets in and a thousand come out. So potentially if we get these out there, we could have an endless supply of these nematodes as long as they have a food source.
1: Yeah, and they were saying because they're Wisconsin native that they should overwinter fairly well since that's what they're kind of used to. So they just kind of do they kind of just like hibernate over winter and then just pop back out in the spring?
0: Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, they are soil um, creatures. They're in the worm family. So they'll just kind of tunnel down and probably slow down a little bit. But yeah, they they can overwinter however they do it. I don't know the details. And then um, also what's really unique with us in cranberries is our soil is very acidic. Mm -hmm. So because uh, the researcher found these in our native acidic soils is a big key too. And we are testing like commercial nematodes like side by side to see if they're going to be able to survive in our soil in our very, um, acidic environment.
1: Yeah. I had a, a grower reach out to me from, I think she was from Washington state and she was very surprised that we are trying to breed our own here she's like, well, I can just order them from a supplier and get them on demand. Why are you doing all this extra work? So um, she was very floored by that fact. And then I had a lot of like potato growers um, that were just so surprised that we want nematodes in our crop because they're so destructive for the potatoes. So there are different um, types out there. They're not all the same, I guess. Do you know off the top of your head, like what the names of these are I know there's two but I don't
0: yeah so (laughs) put you on the side. (laughs) we're calling out oh like OOs and HGs I should have looked that up um yeah I don't know off the top of my head what they are I'll look it up
1: (laughs) um that's I I would be very surprised. I don't if know they they don't. Can pronounce
0: anyway. But.
1: <laughs> but there are different types out there for the people that are like, "Why the heck are you doing this when they're so destructive for us?" Um so we there is a reason behind it. But um do you kind of want to talk about how you look for bugs and like what you do out here? Like what how are you finding this stuff? Like what are you what types of things are you looking for? Like what some kind of um popular things with growers that are a red flag for you that kind of thing
0: yeah so as the season goes on so our like scouting season is from may till august and during every like uh plant stage growing season we have different pests that we're looking for so we, we know their life cycle, we know the disease life cycles, we know the weed life cycles and when to kind of expect things. So we, we change what we're looking for depending on the time of the year. So in the spring, we're sweeping a lot with our um, sweep nets and looking for a tiny little Lepidoptera. We're looking for leaf hoppers, the specific little blunt nose leaf hopper.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and then as the season goes on, we start looking for other things um and we're in the beds calculating like percent bloom and percent out of bloom to time um different fungicides or insecticides and all of this is based on extensive research that we we have a really great um research committee and team of phds that are that work for the industry really and if we have a problem we're like hey we have this problem and then usually they do some research on it, and then we have um, science behind what we're doing. Yeah. And then now we're entering back into sweeping season season for these little flea beetles.
1: Um, th- like, are there any are there any diseases that are? Uh, um, I don't know. Are there any diseases that kind of? you are very nervous about for us as an industry right now
0: yeah so the diseases so everything when we talk disease it's just plant disease it's um mm-hmm. it cannot hurt a human so it's just a, a pathogen that gets into the plant that and our biggest concern are the ones that mess with our fruit like if we get something called early rot then our fruit starts decaying before we can, before we can harvest it. And obviously if you can't harvest it, you're not going to get paid for it. So mm-hmm. you don't like, we don't like that. Um, more recently, uh, we've had this little leafhopper come and that one can carry, and leafhoppers do this in other industries too. They can carry, uh, something called a phytoplasm. um, that can spread a disease into the plant too. And that would simply prevent the plant from ever having a crop. So those are our biggest like disease concerns.
1: So leafhopper, they, they haven't been around for a while. Yeah. I, th- I feel like they were here like a hundred years ago or something and just super yeah. destructive. And then they went away and now all of a sudden they're back again. Um, how does, how does that happen?
0: Yeah, that's like a million dollar question. We're like, <laughs> why is bug back? <laughs> Where did it come from? Um, there's a lot of theories. Uh, about that, just with like the weather changing, um, the winds, the you know different storms maybe blowing them into certain areas. We don't know exactly why they're back, but they've popped up in a few areas, and we're just trying to be really on top of it because, yeah, the this leafhopper, uh, and again, a hundred years ago we didn't have the technology and tools that we do now, but a hundred years ago it almost wiped out all of like New Jersey's cranberries. So it's a, it's kind of a big deal, but we have so many more tools to manage it now.
1: Mm-hmm. So what, what exactly do they do? I mean, how are they different than another, another bug? Like what, what's so destructive yeah. about them?
0: So leaf hoppers have like a piercing sucking mouth part. So Uh, they pierce into the plant. And when they do that, sometimes whatever's in the plant might like a a disease, let's say, is in the plant and it it might suck up a little piece of that disease. And then it flies or hops to the next plant and sticks its mouth part in that one and maybe spits a little bit of that disease into that plant. So it transmits it uh, like that. And that's that's why it's unique because most of our insects just chew and eat and you know, stick with one piece of the plant. But the leaf hoppers literally hop or once they're adults fly, and just pierce and suck a bunch of plants.
1: So for people that don't know what a leaf hopper is, it's pretty much like a little tiny grasshopper, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks um, it's different. But yeah, you can think of it like that. It jumps, <laughs> it jumps like that. And then it gets once it's an adult, it has wings.
1: Yeah. They're disgusting. We don't want them. Um, we haven't. Thankfully, we haven't found any out here. <laughs> Knock on wood. Uh, stranger things have happened. but yeah, they're
0: not everywhere. Thank goodness. They're just yeah. here and there.
1: <laughs> so that that's kind of like our big concern in the industry right now is like, how do we how do we take care of these leafhoppers? Like, we have a treatment. It seems like for everything else right now, thankfully. Um, but like you said, there are a ton of researchers out there that are working for our industry and. Looking for new and better ways to treat um, these problems, like with the nematodes, um, we're always trying to be as sustainable as possible. And um, if we do need um, a chemical to treat these these pests, um, part of your job is knowing what can be used at certain times throughout the year to treat these things. And there's a lot of environmental yeah. factors that we have to take into consideration. Like when we have our our honeybees out here, we can't apply certain products because we don't want to kill the bees, obviously. Um, we also have to take into consideration how close we are to harvest because we don't want any of this residue lingering around on the fruit. So you have to know like all this stuff, like what, what day is it? Like, how close are you to harvest? Like what's your harvest schedule? Like, like you, you know, a lot of stuff. It's very impressive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to be prepared for every situation and scenario. Like, um, and I'm, I just, worked on like a letter for all my growers, just like talking about this year, this year is so early. And the last time it was this early, it was like 2012 and Amber, I was super pregnant with my August baby. So (laughs) let me tell you, I know what it's like (laughs) to be pregnant in this hot, like early summer. Um, But that year we had to harvest really early. So Mm -hmm. let's say you normally harvest like September 15th. Well, you were harvesting the first week of September. So everything was happening sooner. And so we have to be ready for that situation, like just because of the weather pattern. So, yeah, we have to be careful what we use and most of our insecticides. So an insecticide is the last resort. Mm-hmm. We don't always use them. And if we have to, usually we use a very insect specific one that only targets our pests. So like when the bees are out there, uh, we don't use we use a very insect specific that targets actually like a protein in their jaw. <laughs> how well, then they can't chew. And it only works on those insects that we're targeting. So then the spiders and the bees and everything else um, is unaffected really.
1: I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that it went after their jaw. That's super interesting. <laughs> Take that you little assholes. <laughs> um, I, I get a lot of questions and I know, I think I've heard you talk about it before, spiders. A lot of people, I don't like, I never heard of this until people started bringing it up to me. They're like, how many spiders, how many, like, how does it feel to work with all those spiders out there? Like during harvest are they just crawling all over you and like wolf spiders, why, how do you deal with that? I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't have that many spiders, but on the East coast, I hear that's a different story.
0: I think we have more than you might know. (laughs) Oh, I
1: (laughs) I don't need to know that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they're not like running at me all the time. Like I no, think a lot of people. so think.
0: they're probably thinking like during harvest when the or when you're flooding your beds again, water—it's so natural. You're flooding your beds, so everything that can fly is going to fly away. Everything that can crawl and move is going to crawl away. So that's what's happening. Or, or the spiders are crawling out. <laughs> and that's why it feels like they're everywhere, but they're just—they're like, hey, I don't want to get wet, so <laughs> they're just moving out of the bed. But, um, no, there's so many different kinds and I wish I knew like how many different species cause there's, and I, I don't know my spiders. So I'll sweep and I'll have like this super cool, like yellow one. And then I'll sweep and have all these little mm-hmm. black ones. I'm like, I don't know what they are, but I know they're spiders.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we don't have like the big, oh big, no, like tarantula looking spiders. I think that like something.
0: garden spider, I don't even know its scientific name, but you know, that big one. Garden. You don't like spiders, do you? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that one, if you grew up in Wisconsin, the one where you like throw grasshoppers at their web.
1: Oh, oh. Okay.
0: No, like, <laughs>
1: I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: okay, that one. That's probably the biggest one we have.
1: I think I was at um, some research meeting thing, and uh, someone brought this up in conversation about how people on the east coast use spiders as pest control like it's kind of their version of nematodes where they just have like all these spiders and they're like yeah I don't care let them go because they will not eat the plant they'll just go after the other insects and trap them in their webs and stuff and that's that's what I I would draw the line right there I wouldn't that's that's too much for me
0: (laughs) there's all kinds of cool like bugs that kill, like, assassin bugs and, like, um, green lace wings, like, in our net, we'll sweep our net, or we'll sweep and we'll look in our net, and there'll be, like, a ladybug larvae or something that will, like, come running across and grab, like, an aphid (laughs) in our net, and it's like, whoa, what just happened? (laughs) But that's constantly happening out in the field. We just don't, um, we don't sit there and see it all the time. So, yeah, the more beneficials we have, the less pests we'll have.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a blessing and a curse. There are little spiders out there for everybody that is interested or that has ever thought about this, but thankfully nothing that can like kill your arm or anything if it, yeah, if it bites I, you.
0: It's always like fight or flight when it comes to animals and spiders are definitely flight. Like they're going to be running away from you. They're, that's why they're so fast. They're trying to get away. They're not trying to come at you.
1: Well, I'm trying to get away too. So we'll see who's faster. Yeah, just <laughs> <Ugh>. Anyway, um. <laughs> so another question that I get asked, um, if we're ever doing like an interview or something, is what do you see as like the biggest threat to your industry in the future? Um, and I and I kind of always go for the weather, just because of how how much things are changing and how fast things are changing. I mean, just for as long as I can remember how different the winters are now, because we have a perennial plant and they need kind of all four of the extreme seasons that Wisconsin goes through to go through their entire growing process. They need like that really cold winter. And it seems like we're getting shorter and shorter winters. Um, We're not getting as much we're still getting cold winters, don't get me wrong, but they're not as cold for as long. So we can't make that ice. So we can't sand properly and that's just screwing up our vines. Um, so in, in like this this spring, we didn't have a spring. It was just straight into summer, it felt like. And that kind of really accelerates the growing process and them coming out of dormancy. So like you said, we are getting fruit a lot sooner <laughs> and we're gonna have to start harvesting a little bit earlier So you're not going to get that color. Um, So to me, that's kind of like the biggest threat that I think we're facing right now is just how are we going to deal with this? Do you, is that kind of your thought or like, do you, what do you think?
0: I agree. I think like all farmers, like we are all at the mercy of mother nature Mm -hmm. and what's happening. Like we can plan as much as we want. We can try to control and we're, we're unique that way where we can frost protect, we can winter protect. And stuff like that, but even with all those efforts, especially this year, when you have those temperature swings, especially on a perennial, that plant is stressed out. Like mm-hmm. you cannot be 90 and then freezing. It's it's so it's such a shock to it, so it it becomes more vulnerable to um, other things. That, and we're seeing we're seeing that affecting our crop and how much yield we're going to have this year. And yeah, we are constantly adjusting doing more research like okay what do we do in these extremes is there something and we're we're working with like crop physiologists just to understand the responses of our perennial plant a little bit more and use more and more science to control what we can and then make these adjustments to what we can't control you know using our soil moisture meters our all the different temperature um instruments you have weather stations just trying to predict and um work with all of those all these numbers and science to try and make the best decisions in the moment
1: yeah we and, can. and I think too in the summers <laughs> like we're getting a lot more extreme weather uh just like this week alone we had um over an inch and a half of rain in 10 minutes which is crazy I don't <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, this is in the middle of the day. I don't, I don't know if I just haven't paid attention to it for as long, but I don't ever remember getting like this amount of rain this fast in the middle of the day too. It seems like we're getting a lot more afternoon storms instead of like overnight storms. Um, And this isn't the first time this year that we've just gotten hammered with insane amounts of rain in such a short period of time. And, um, hail is always a constant worry for us too. um, Lately, last year, we got hit pretty hard, like three days in a row. Um, And it, like you said, that's, I mean, that's all part of being a farmer is being at the mercy of the weather, but it just seems like lately, (laughs) it's just been, (laughs) it hasn't been uh, the kindest to us. Yeah, this
0: is definitely a year for the history books. We're going to talk about um, 2021, like we talked about 2012. And yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: And like I, I thought when we first found out we were pregnant, I was like, "Oh, end of August, we should be safe." And once we, once bloom started happening, um, like two, three weeks earlier than it normally does, I'm like, "Oh, we might be harvesting this." Yeah, <laughs> <So> it's
0: <laughs> it's it's don't scary. be late. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're hoping we're hoping we come a little bit <laughs> earlier than later, but um, early
0: harvest. <laughs> Not going <forward. laughs> Right,
1: I might have to drive myself to the hospital. Sorry, guys, <laughs> gotta go. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So that that's kind of that's kind of you in a nutshell. How how many um, employees do you have working for you? Because I can't imagine you doing all of this. Work yeah. First. So
0: we have about uh, between like ten to twelve high school, college. Um, I always call them kids. High school and college kids, um, <laughs> young adults. <laughs> and uh we love getting these uh college kids and high school kids and giving them a a taste of um what it's like to be in this environment because so many kids are removed from the farm setting Mm -hmm. but if you understand how agriculture is and how things um happen in like the real world if those college students go on to be um, conservationists and people in these positions, where they make these, um, where they're enforcing laws or making laws, they at least can remember some of the practical side of that. They of uh, growing cranberries or just farming in general.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's really cool that you have these. I'm going to call them kids. They're kids at this point. Yeah, kids. <laughs> that, <laughs> that you have all these kids that that are excited and interested in not only cranberries, yeah. but agriculture in general, um, that they spend all summer. And it's not the easiest job either. I mean, like you have long days and it's hot and it's humid out there and just all the flies. Yeah, and the we've bugs. had,
0: <laughs> exactly. That's probably the worst, <laughs> <Getting bit> up. <laughs> yeah, we have a couple of biology students this year too. And it's so fun because just knowing that they're going to teach junior high and high school biology, And at so many schools, that's the only um, agriculture they're going to be taught is Mm -hmm. in the biology class because they don't have all these um, egg classes anymore. They just kind of been going away with those. But last year we had a girl that worked for us. And um, on my page on Instagram, we do like employee features and we ask them questions. And she's like, yeah, I didn't know people worked like this, like out in the heat. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> and I had a grower. <laughs> like, I had to laugh. <laughs> like, yeah, it was kind of cute. Like, yep. And she did it. She worked it. But she was like, I didn't know people did this.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good, though. I mean, they're learning so much more than just you know, about bugs. Make they're learning, book, yeah. they're, <laughs> they're getting a real experience out here. So that's awesome that you're able to give so many kids that opportunity.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, um, I think, I think we've kind of covered everything. Is there anything else that you kind of think is important that you want to touch on before I let you go? Um. Other than like
0: mother nature, it's how many people eat or products, right? Mm -hmm. We want to understand um, the health benefits and things like that of our cranberries. And we obviously love our products. Um, but that's the market is always, we're always at the mercy of our consumers and things like that too. So we love, um, everybody's support and willingness to try new cranberry stuff.
1: Exactly. That is, that's perfect. Um, so before I let you go, we're going to do a quick, um, are gonna do some rapid fire questions that I'm just gonna make up off the top of my head. So the first first thing that you think of, um, it's got to be your answer. So are you okay. are you ready for these exciting questions? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so if you had to choose one deli meat to be your blanket at night, what kind of deli meat would you choose?
0: Oh boy, turkey! I just I eat turkey. Oh turkey! <laughs> I don't know. Like it
1: <laughs> Do you like like the um? Slimy. The the chunks of turkey or just like the thin shaved turkey?
0: Makes a I difference. I usually get honey turkey, thinly okay. shaved. Yeah. Okay. Thinly shaved. Yes, yeah, so I can really wrap around in it.
1: <laughs> Make a little cocoon out of the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> um so kind of sticking with that theme if you're having if you're just ha- making a sandwich at home what kind of cheese are you throwing on there
0: i love kobe or kobe jack kobe mm-hmm. probably good if answer God, geez, you know good answer
1: mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of cows did you have on your dairy farm?
0: Skeins, like the black and white ones
1: okay I was gonna say, what brand of cows? I forgot to ask that. What brand of cows did you? Know? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, in in all of your years as a crop consultant, what has been like the weirdest thing that you've seen? Like, what has just been the weirdest day? Ooh. Is there anything that just kind of sticks out as like, ooh, that was that was weird?
0: <laughs> we have some. Um, <laughs> so a lot of um, farms are kind of out in the middle of nowhere and. We don't, they don't see a lot of people. They can wear whatever they want. So sometimes they're wearing some interesting things and we're like, whoa, (laughs) like, what is this guy? What is this guy wearing? (laughs) So I just, and then they get a nickname because they're wearing like these super short shorts and they're a grown man. (laughs) I mean,
1: like we talked about, it's hot. (laughs) Do what you got to do.
0: It's hot. I get it. I'm just like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Did you forget I was pretty, coming, or are you wearing these because I Otherwise, came today? <laughs> plants and animals. <laughs> oh, but there was something weird that happened this year. Um, and I didn't see it personally, but my scouts sent me pictures. There are all these like turkey vultures with their wings out. Yeah. And they, they were on every single post along the deer fence. And the scouts were like, what is going on? And what kind what eventually of like, did I walk up. into? Yeah. Like we looked it up and they were just trying to warm themselves in the sun, but real, like wings straight out, like gargoyles, you know, <laughs> we have this old barn on
1: our property. Um, and it, it's, it's super old. Like the roof is rotted out. Like it's just, you shouldn't be walking. They're kind of old. And, uh, I walked in there one day to, to make sure that like, there are no homeless people living in there. Cause that's a big issue for us out here. It's not, but, Uh, I walked in there and there were like these two little things in the corner and they're kind of like hopping around. And I thought they were skunks at first because I thought like they were standing up on their front legs. Like they're about to spray me. And then they got closer to me and there were baby vultures, but they were huge. Like for babies, like they were the ugliest things I've ever seen, but they just, they're so creepy. And like, they just, I'm not a fan of vultures. They're just
0: these are just kind of icky. They're ugly on their own. And then when they sit there with their wings out. like, yeah.
1: And then they hiss too. They like make this weird noise. and, ugh. <laughs> um, Anyway, sidetrack. Uh, what is your drink of choice? What What are you drinking tonight?
0: Um, so I picked up this lemonade. I don't even know. It's truly as I'm drinking right now, but it's a, the lemonade one for summer. So I like to sip on those. But back in the day, it was Captain Diet. Okay. Now that- I have all kinds of mom responsibilities. So I try to <laughs> keep it
1: a little, a little <laughs> <laughs> Um, What is your favorite cranberry product? Ooh
0: yeah. Mm, I love the chocolate covered, like sweetened dried.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A little bit like I like them cold.
1: Yes. Do you okay. go for the milk chocolate or the dark chocolate?
0: I like, I prefer, I like them both, but I prefer the milk.
1: Get those yogurt sweet and dried out of there. Like too healthy. Get get, get them out.
0: (laughs) I agree. My husband likes them, but I'm just like, give me the chocolate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And last question. If you were going to a church potluck, what are you bringing?
0: (laughs) church potluck. Ooh, uh, you know, everybody expects me to bring cranberry stuff, <laughs> kind of, but, um, well, I just went to a 4th of July potluck and I made a fruit pizza, like with the cookie dough, my crop. Good
1: choice. Yeah. Good cool. choice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pam. Well, I will let you go on this Friday night. So thank you again for sitting down with me and talking all things bugs and, and crop consulting. Um, so if people want to learn a little bit more about this or more about you, where can they find you?
0: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at cranberry.pam and we, we do have some presence on Facebook, but I'm mostly on Instagram.
1: It's a place to be.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Well guys, if you're not following Pam again, head on over and give her a follow. She's got a ton of great content out there and she's posting all the time and showing you live updates from the marsh. And she takes a lot of really great pictures and has a lot of really great information out there. So again, I appreciate you coming on here tonight, Pam. And if you guys are not following us already, head on over to Forward Farming Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can give me a follow over at Cranberry Chats. Um, and Becca over at Farming with the Hilby's. Check out all of her sweet new baby pictures that she has. Um, and if you haven't left us a rating and review, feel free to do that on Apple Podcasts, on Facebook, or anywhere else that offers that kind of thing. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.